Welcome to the Cinema Rat, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent, narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow and I, how I think she is essentially on the verge of being an emperor who has no clothes. I've yet to decide if whether or not I'm going to put her in the classification with the other emperor has no clothes, like Rebel Wilson and J-Lo and some other ones. But I do want to talk about her career and her personal life. So look, Paltrow, we mentioned her, May and I, in the episode on Meepo Babies, I think Paltrow was one of May's. If you're not familiar, her father was Bruce Paltrow, who was a pretty well-known producer of television and movies in the 70s and 80s. And his mom, and her mom was Blythe Danner, who was more well-known actress in the aforementioned time, but probably younger generations would know her as the mom that was in the Meet the Parents movies with Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro. And Paltrow, Kind of grew up conservative. Her parents uh, didn't want her to have the typical life of some of the Hollywood uh, scions and have some dissolute, young, debauched upbringing. So they they raised her pretty conservatively, and she really didn't make it big. She had some movies in the early '90s, like she was in Hook. She played young Wendy on in Hook, but she really didn't make it big, so to speak, or, or relevant until I would say probably seven. Seven was probably the big movie for her where she played Brad Pitt's wife, the one whose head ends up in a box. Spoiler alert. That was her big breakout. And then I remember seeing The Pallbearers. This was a movie she did with David Schwimmer, who was the peak of his friend's fame, and kind of a, like a ripoff of The Graduate. And it's just, a, you know, a fine movie. Then she does Emma in 1996. That's her first foray into the British accent. She's fine in that. Then she does Sliding Doors in 1998. And that's a movie where her character essentially, because uh, there's two scenarios, one she misses a subway and the other one she makes a subway, her life takes two divergent paths. So I like the premise of it. And you might've heard of, oh, this was my sliding doors moment. How like how your life could be so irretrievably be different had you not turned this way or had you not gone this way or so forth. And really in her late 90s, period of her life, she is largely um, doing the, the roles of the ingenue, just the attractive girl. And so she does Great Expectations in 1998. That's a movie with Ethan Hawke, where it's, of course, from the uh, novel by um, Dickens. That she does a perfect murder. So perfect murder is a movie where she's married to uh, Michael Douglas. And it's funny because after this movie came out, he made a kind of comment about her acting, like her acting was not that great. And she said, well, you know, you're only famous for betting celebrities starlets. And he's like, well, you're only famous for being essentially what he said, a Nepo baby. So they didn't really get along. Later on, of course, her breakout breakout is Shakespeare in Love, where she plays the muse that eventually inspires Shakespeare to write Romeo and Juliet, played by Joseph Fiennes. And you think... Man, Joseph finds at a moment, right? He's he's another Nepo, the brother, younger brother of Ray Fiennes, who was very big in the 90s after Schindler's List. 
to the point where Miramax gives him this leading role in this movie and his career really didn't do much and he's fine in the movie and, and we talked about it in the episode where Manny and I talked about the most overrated Best Picture winners. I mean, this is a very famous one where Shakespeare in Love because of the machinations of Harvey Weinstein, who was in charge of Miramax at the time, got it Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan. And Paltrow wins the Academy Award. She's very young at this time. So she was about 26 when she won this. And look, I mean, since then, we've, we've had a history of giving Best Actress wins to young actresses. Think of Emma Stone. But this was one that was not deserved. And of course, Shakespeare in Love didn't deserve to win Best Picture. From there, next year, she does Talented Mr. Ripley. Great movie. That's an Anthony Mangella movie with young, upcoming breakout Jude Law. It's got Matt Damon as the titular Mr. Ripley. And uh, great movie. It's got young Blanchett. Just, I mean, peak. I mean, I need to do a movies I love just on Talented Mr. Ripley. Then after that, she does duets, which is a small movie. Bounce is a movie she does with her then boyfriend, Ben Affleck, uh, essentially where she plays a widow. And Affleck was supposed to be on the plane that killed her husband, but for whatever reason, he was not. And so he, to assuage his guilt, wants to meet the wife. And then, of course, they fall in love. And then from there, I, I would say 2001, 2002 is where you see this breakout. So she diverges. So she does the Royal Tenenbaums in 2001, which is a movie that I just cannot stand. I, I just, I find that movie to be so pretentious. It's so Wes Anderson. It's just a movie that I particularly do not like. But after that, and she does Shallow Howl the same year, that's the, that's the uh, Jack Black movie where he falls in love with a fat woman, but he thinks that she looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. But from there, she stops doing a lot of movies. So you see her here and there. She does Possession, which is a, a flop. View from the Top, where she plays an airline stewardess, that's a flop. She does an indie movie on Sylvia Plath, which of course is not that that big. She does 2005, she does Proof, which is another small, small movie, Running with Scissors in 2006. Nothing. So like she has this five-year drought where she's not doing much. Then she gets the role of Pepper Potts in Iron Man. And of course that helps her because she's in the subsequent Iron Man movies. But that's a very kind of small, thankless, undeveloped role. She comes back in 2010 with Country Strong. That's that movie where she's the alcoholic country singer opposite Tim McGraw. That movie was well received. Then she does Contagion in 2011, small role. That's an ensemble movie where she gets killed off at the beginning, so I don't even count her. And you know, the old joke at the time was, yeah, I want to go see this movie just simply because I kill off Gwyneth Paltrow. So that gets her to 2010s. And then from there, again, just not a lot of stuff. At this point, she is 40. She does a little spin on Glee in 2010 to 2014. But again... She has a little role in Spider-Man Homecoming. She's in, of course, the, the other Marvel movies like Avengers, Affinity War. But if you take those away... I wanted to let you know about the other feeds that we have here at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. We have The Awakened Man, which has been around since the spring of 2017, which mostly focuses on having men and women reach their full potential by knowing about toxins in the food, big pharma cover-ups, and ways to biohack your life. 
We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which is a channel that originally started as an essential oils channel. And there's about 65 essential oils that are broken down over there. And then more recently, about two years ago, I just pivoted and made it more about female holistic health and naturopathic health because I'm a big proponent of let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And lastly, we have the Confessions of an Obese Child feed, which I started in January 2017, which chronicles what it's like to be an overweight child. I was an overweight child and I lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for 30 plus years. So it's a channel, like if you have disordered eating or had a dysfunctional childhood, how to deal with that, how to how to function with that, and also discusses and I interview various people that have a similar background of dysfunctional childhood, binge eating, binge drinking, and how to deal with that. And there's a lot of great interviews over there. So those are the three other feeds at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. Now let's get back to the show. So you if you take away the Marvel movies, literally, she has done, if you take away the Marvel movies and take away television, she has done 10 projects in the last 14 years. In small stuff. Again, you take away the Marvel movies, she's in really since Contagion, 2011. Thanks for sharing in 2012. A movie called Mordecai in 2015. Take away Spider-Man, take away Avengers. Take a movie called A Story Takes Flight in 2019. And then that's it. That's it. I mean, <laughs> that is it. That is it. Now, we'll talk about her side gigs in a second. So the argument could be, okay, look, she's not doing a lot of movies really since 2004 because she's busy with her side gigs. But I can make some side arguments. Like, there's a lot of people who have side gigs. Reese Witherspoon had side gigs. She could create her own production company, for example. And she was still doing movies. But Baltra's not doing movies. And some of it is, maybe she's just not that talented. We had this conversation with May about Claire Danes. She's like, well, Claire Danes, I said, Claire Danes is, is uh, not in any movies because Hollywood has determined her not to be successful. I mean, you can always look at the amount of roles that people are in and whether or not they're successful. For example, Tom Cruise. I mean, every producer and director in the world would want Tom Cruise in their movie, his movie, but he chooses not to do that. I don't think in Pacho's case it's that at all. I just think that people realize she's not that good of an actress. And then you throw in by, you know, Country Strong is 2010. That's like her last big movie where she's fronting it. And she is 38 at that time. And I think some of it is just she was like we've talked about. Hollywood puts people to pasture at a certain age, for better or for worse. And I think after that, she was difficult for her to get roles. Certainly, she's doing television here and there, but really not that much television. She does the uh, she's got the role of the I think it's she's the mom of the politician in the uh, Ryan Murphy Netflix movie or Netflix television show in 2019, and she does five episodes of as I mentioned, but that's it, really. I mean, she's not doing much. Now, the argument is this. She gets married to Chris Martin, and she's having kids. So if you look at when she started having children, you could say that it kind of coincided with uh, this time. So she, if you don't know, of course, she was dating Brad Pitt during the time of Seven back in, in the 90s. And she later was dating 
Affleck in 1997 and was with him until about 2002. Then she meets Coldplay, Chris Play, Chris Martin from Coldplay. And essentially they start having kids. So they have the first kid, Apple, in 2004 and then Moses in 2006. So I think some of it you could say is she's raising kids at this time. But she does country strong and the kids are very young. They're toddlers at that point. And as they've gotten older, it's like she has more free time to do that stuff. But she doesn't really do that. So either way, she has the famous conscious uncoupling that she mentions that she kind of got made fun of. And it's interesting because she and Martin broke up in 2014. That's when they made the, the conscious uncoupling statement. And in that year, she starts dating Brad Falchuk, who is a, a successful, mostly television producer, very wealthy. And it's just like, hmm, interesting. So you guys break up and in the same year you start dating this other guy, you know, monkey branching, hypergamy, all these things we talk about. So they met on the set of Glee because he was one of the producers of Glee at the time. And they started dating in 2014. They made their relationship public in April 2015 because they knew the optic would look bad that maybe he left Martin. She left Martin because of Falchuk. Then they got engaged in 2018 and they've been married since then. So look, you could say that her lack of movies in the last 15 years are due to her having children and also due to her, her having these uh, different successive relationships. But and also because of Goop, you think of Goop as her, I don't even know what you would call Goop, her wellness company. I don't even know what you call it because some of the stuff that she pawns there is just nonsense. Nonsense. And the... The FTC and the government has investigated claims and she has been fined uh, for making deceptive marketing statements, statements that are not true. For example, Goop was sued by the state of California in 2020 for making claims regarding the efficacy or effects of any of its products without possessing competent and reliable scientific evidence that substantiates the claims. So they got they got dinged for that. Like, for example, they were like, oh, you know, we sell this thing you can put in your vagina that will relieve anxiety and depression and OCD. Uh, speaking of, Goop does sell sex toys. And look, Goop makes tons of money. She has made tons of money off of this side gig. And, you know, kudos to her for doing that. But you know what? It's She could be doing Goop and doing movies like a lot of other uh, Hollywood types. She could be doing that, but she's not. So why do I think that Paltrow is not getting roles? I think just overall, she is one dimensional. She plays herself in essentially every movie that she's in. Yes, she does do British. She did it a couple of times. Yes, but if you take away those roles, she's essentially playing herself. And when she was younger, kind of like Cameron Diaz, when she was younger, she could pull this off because she was attractive and young. And so people would put her in a movie simply for that reason. She was attractive and young, and she wasn't a horrifically bad actor. But as she got older, she lost those roles because I think producers and directors realized that she just didn't have a lot of range. And if you think of Ripley, you see Kate Blanchett in that movie. People are just going to choose Blanchett because Blanchett's a better actress. And in regards to looks, they're about equally the same. And to be fair, Paltrow is over 50 now and she wears bikinis. You know, she's in great shape. And I think part of that is because of goop. You know, she has to look good. 
Uh, so she doesn't quote look bad, right? It's it's like taking advice from a fat doctor to lose weight. It's like why would I listen to you? You're fat. So I think some of it is that Paul just was one dimensional, like a lot of our leading men and leading women. She doesn't have a lot of range, and Hollywood figured that out. And I think part of it too is she realized as she got older, you know, she'll say that she didn't need to do the roles, but I think some of it is like with Cameron Diaz, they're they're getting feedback that they're they're not getting these roles anymore. So they're like, I'm gonna opt out and I'm gonna start this stuff. And look, Goop's worth $250 million. So, I mean, she's done very well with that. And I don't really see her doing a lot of movies in the future. I think she's pretty content now uh, just to be a kind of an influencer or social media influence or wellness influencer and so forth. And she'll always have her Academy Award for which she didn't deserve. Guys, I'll post a poll at the Cinema Rack Facebook group if you think Paltrow is overrated, underrated, properly rated. There's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal if you want to make a donation to help defray the cost of hosting this on a server. I would appreciate that. The other one is a link for all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. And you can check out all the probably a thousand episodes over there. Until next time, take care. God bless. And pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.